Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Friends, and welcome to your long-lost favorite podcast, The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, and with me, as always, is your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. John, it is 2018, and we are, we're not panicking. No, uh, I want to start off with a couple couple housekeeping notes good news yeah austin congratulations on a thousand twitter followers oh. all the shout outs finally paid yeah, off. yeah all that self uh self promotion finally paid off i can't believe there's a thousand of you out there that are willing to follow my nonsense but mostly bots mostly bots man. i okay i want to thank the bots i owe the bots a lot um, <laughs> um no yeah but thank you yeah. 2018 wow uh started off really strongly um, yeah. Well, it's certainly a lot of action. Lots going on. <laughs> Lots to hit on today. Yeah. So some, we yeah. should we should go back to 2017. Oh boy. Because the last the last uh, time we spoke mm-hmm. here, um, we were previewing Michigan State's bowl game against uh, Washington State, and that went pretty good. It did. Yeah. We don't need to spend time no, breaking it down because that was forever ago. But uh, as you guys all know, MSU won 42 17, um, and since then. Geez, I guess there's just been an awful lot of things going on here. Did you, uh, did you did you ever think, I think I asked you this, do you ever, like, whenever you see the Holiday Bowl, do you ever think of A Christmas Vacation, that song? <laughs> serious, Clark? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think you told, you told me this before. I can't, like, get it out of my head. You know the song. Maybe yeah. we'll play it. So, <laughs> no, it's, it's Holiday Road. Yeah. Holiday Bowl. I can't get it out of my head. I love it. I mean, so we, we won that. We should have played that. Song. We still can. Well, um, so, so we won that. That was great. And immediately after that, a really shocking thing happened. Yeah, I think this was probably the most. It was certainly surprising in the immediacy. That's, a, that's why it was shocking. It was just like, boom. It was funny because the. You know, right afterwards, of course, the reporters go up to L.J. Scott. You know, the, the storyline has been all all season, really since he ever came onto campus, was he's three and done. He's yeah. out. He's playing as a true freshman. Yeah. Um, reporter goes up to him right after the game and asks him, you know, if, if you, we know you're thinking about going to the league. Uh, you've got a great opportunity in front of you. Are you are you going to go? And he says, no, I'm coming back for another season with my dogs. So like, I don't know, A, if he could have phrased that any better. No. And B, cool. if – Anybody outside of that room could have 
could have possibly seen that coming. No, it was, it was pretty cool because it was like, it was like, oh, we just dominated Washington State. Like, I don't want to say you won the lottery, but we did well. And then all of a sudden, boom. Here's yeah. A, are you having a good time? Let's make it a great time. Yeah, now let's make 2018 <laughs> awesome. Um, let's, and, as, and I think like the, the internet spike for MSU 2018 football schedule was just like off oh, the yeah. charts after he said that. He's like, who are we playing? Yeah, wait. Uh, Herm Edwards? All right. Yeah. Arizona State. Um, so, yeah, that's that was the most exciting news and, and certainly in terms of personnel, the best news Michigan State has gotten to date. Because... Um, Things. Because a lot of other stuff has happened. Okay, just to give us a brief outline here, we're going to do some football and then we're going to get into basketball because we're not panicking. Right. We're not panicking at all. We're not putting right. off the inevitable. Um, so remain calm. Everybody remain calm. Please <laughs> all is well. don't freak out. <laughs> all is well. <laughs> Anyways. Um, okay, so LJ Scott was the big addition, but there have been a handful of departures um, both on the – personnel side and on the coaching staff side. So we're going to kind of break these down uh, one at a time and then sum them up at the end and, and kind of give our overarching thoughts. So two big transfers um, in terms of, of personnel, uh, people leaving the team going into 2018. Just before we even dive into the exact players, I think some attrition, and we had kind of touched on this earlier, just based on the the small size of this graduating senior class and the large amount of young players that were playing this year mm-hmm. and had established themselves, attrition has to it was inevitable. This is what happens when you have a very good young team playing a lot of young players at important positions. So that being said, I think um, the two guys that decided to leave, while may have been surprising in who they were, it's not surprising in Their position. the positions and kind of what came came of it. So the first is uh, Messiah DeWeaver, um, the redshirt freshman quarterback. He is, you know, I, he's transferring to East Mississippi Community College, which is the last chance U school, Dude. which is pretty cool. Okay, first of all, I mean, that is awesome. He's going <laughs> to get so much, uh, you know, FaceTime on that show with a name like yeah. Messiah. Not to mention he's going to be the quarterback, like immediately. There's no competition. Right. So, um, and of course this happens when you look at the, I mean, Lewerke's the guy for the next two years. That's just it. Um, it's never good to see, you don't, you don't want to see a quarterback of DeWeaver's caliber and, and skill set leave ever. Of course. However, um, you know, when you've got a rising junior quarterback who looks like the obvious face of the program for at least the next two years, you know, already established and there's a kid who sees himself in the same light, justifiably, mm-hmm. who is um, only a year younger than him class-wise. It's really hard to blame DeWeaver for seeking greener pastures and he wants to play. He's a competitor. I mean, I don't, I don't, do not disagree for a moment with his decision. It's, you know, it's a bummer. Would have loved to seen him play in green and white, especially with a name like that. Yeah. Uh, and he's a heck of a quarterback from everything yep. everyone has said, but um, but he's going because he and he's going to that school. If you're wondering why is he going there, he has to get tape. Yeah, he can't go to if he transfers to another school. Of course, he can do that. But you're gonna find yourself in a real Keith Nichols situation, and I mean that not when he was um, not when Keith Nichols at Michigan State when he was at Oklahoma. There's yeah, no, no tape. 
And yeah. the, the kid came uh, to Michigan State, competed with Kirk Cousins, also didn't have tape. Yeah. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden uh, you know, you maybe things weren't as they seemed. That that senior year footage from high school yeah. doesn't really matter anymore. And, and, you know, things played out the way they do. It's great to go get taped somewhere, probably win a national championship at the community college. Yeah, and he'll have every opportunity to A, play down there, and then B, you know, they send kids to Auburn. They yep. send kids to yep. great. Uh, they sent the defensive lineman to Pitt. They've sent kids all over yeah. the place from there. Florida State. I mean, ev- everywhere. Um, so he's going to get a look and an opportunity. And I, I have no doubts that Messiah is going. You're going to hear his name resurface somewhere. Um, and I'm hoping nothing, wishing nothing but the best for Messiah. I don't blame him one bit. The other part of that is like when you've got Brian Lewerke, obviously that's a great start, but it says a lot about Rocky Lombardi too, mm-hmm. who's two years behind him. Obviously he's got a little different or he's a year, excuse me, a year behind De Weaver, but it's a little different because he's got a, an actual window that he can see in the future. It's yeah. like, okay, this is when I'm going to get my, my shot. Yep. Um, he'll have competition too, but, um, He's got a shot for two years of starting, whereas yep. DeWeaver only had a one-year, one shot. And he knows the quality of quarterback that Lombardi is to the point where he doesn't want to wait two more years to yeah. take that risk and maybe never be yeah. that starting quarterback. Yeah. Maybe end up you know, in going the Damian Terry route and just never being a starter. I respect him as a competitor. I respect his decision. Now, there's another player who just recently transferred under uh, – I don't, I don't want to call it questionable circumstances because it's far from that, but but it's, it's a very interesting decision, and that is um, the true freshman receiver, Hunter Risen, son of Andre Risen, uh, decided to seek his release and seek a transfer after uh, playing as a freshman, catching 19, excuse me, catching, yeah, 19 passes um, for 225 yards, playing in pretty much every single game. Um, had a couple huge plays uh, against Penn State, like and and you saw it when he was playing. Yeah. That this kid's the real deal. This one, this this one's just more interesting. Strictly from a football point of view, it hurts in that the talent that's substantial talent. I mean, there's no, there's really just no way, there's no other way to slice yeah. it. It's He's... it's a really good young player, mm-hmm. but um, I think if there was one position that MSU could kind of like afford afford a you know in a way to have that happen at it was receiver i think we may have mentioned it last time but a transfer from that position group felt inevitable mm-hmm. i just think everybody was caught by surprise yeah, i didn't think it was going to be him unfortunately as you were mentioning somebody um was probably going to leave there's just not enough not enough balls to catch um and, and it, unfortunately um hunter thought uh yeah, his talents could be used elsewhere. It was interesting to me. You mentioned Andre or Hunter's stats. Um, his father had almost identical statistics. His freshman yeah. year, so it was just interesting to me. They're obviously different players, and it would just be odd to me that somebody's dad would say, "Yeah, you're right. After you haven't gotten the looks on the field, yeah. When when you became an All American, <laughs> right? With the same." Freshman year, well, well, you know, it's, it's I, odd I, to me. If I don't know if anybody listened to the audio of him on Jack Ebling's show when he kind of when Andre broke the news of Hunter's transfer, um, but I found his justification to be surprising, 
based on just the amount of football that that guy played. Like he yeah. was he was complaining about tight ends in the slot, running backs splitting out to wide receiver. Yeah. Like that's done for a reason. That's mm-hmm. done based on like form de- defensive formations. That's done to get the defense uncomfortable and splitting a guy out to cover a tight end that's not used to playing in coverage, yeah. maybe to get another guy out of the box. Like this is all tactical and Andre Risen had a long successful career in the NFL. So I'm surprised. Is this new to you? Yeah, <laughs> like this isn't like uh, it seemed like a bit of a a bit of a cop out in a way. And like, hey, I again, Hunter, I want nothing but the best for him. I think everybody in you know Spartan Nation would kind of agree that you don't have any ill will towards him. I'm just surprised because he he you know he referenced playing time. Yeah, it's like you were a true freshman and you. Played a lot every, every game. Played a lot. Like yeah, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know how. What did you? Think I don't know what happen? else Michigan State could have really done for him. Yeah, I yeah, mean, no, I just truly, as a true freshman, what did you think was going to happen? Right. I mean, and the other, the other part of it is that with another great off season. I mean, Daryl Stewart's a heck of a player. I think that's one other thing we should say is again, these the three guys in front of him. It's not like he's competing with scrubs. Yeah. Felton Davis is a monster. Star. Cody White Gonna be a is star. a superstar already. Certainly looks the part anyway. Um, and Daryl Stewart had a huge year. He had caught 50 balls. But Hunter Risen is talented enough that with another offseason, there's no way, there's no way you can convince me that he's not cracking that playing group even more. I know. I, I, I mean, and he wants, you know, I heard Andre say something about returning kicks, returning punts. I mean, go out there and fight your battles for yourself on the field and, and yeah. win the job. It Again, I he, I hope he goes somewhere and has a really successful career. Me and um, I will not be surprised to see him end up somewhere in, like, the Big 12 where they throw the ball 100 times hey, a game. And, and, and so he, be it. But and, Yep. And, um, you know. But it's surprising. I don't think it really, in, in, the, in, in the Michigan State purview, it doesn't help. Yeah. But – those top three are legit. Tristan Jackson, while he had a terrible year this year, um, was the the darling of last offseason. You've still got Cam Chambers there. You've got uh, C.J. Hayes coming in. Young, young Larice. Lil Lil Reese. I mean, there's 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 a lot of talent to go around at that position. So I, I think it's not a surprise to see a receiver leave. It's a surprise which yep. receiver it left. Is, uh, in- so um, yeah, I mean January, mid January, couple some attrition. Mm-hmm. Okay, anything else? Yeah, a few things while we're at it. <laughs> yeah, um, we had uh, not only attrition from the the players, but we also had some attrition from the coaching staff, which under D'Antonio uh, is is pleasantly rare. Now this is. Okay, so what happened was, um, what happened was, See what happened. Uh, <laughs> Florida State, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher, their head coach, left for Texas A&M. They hired Willie Taggart from Oregon, and he interviewed and chose uh, Michigan State's co-defensive coordinator, Harlan Barnett, for their defensive coordinator job. Mm-hmm. Um And then Harlan Barnett, in turn, took defensive end and special teams coach Mark Snyder uh, with him for Michigan State staff down to Tallahassee. So let's talk about Harlan Burnett at first because I think it's it's important 
to take this in context. Because a lot of people are looking at this and I think they're thinking, okay, they just pulled our defensive coordinator for a lateral move mm-hmm. down to Tallahassee. Like, are we not a big boy? Are we, you know, do we just get muscled by some, you know, quote unquote, real football program? I personally don't see it that way whatsoever. Look, it's a bummer to lose Harlan Barnett. Yeah. He's a Spartan alum, a, gr- a great Spartan, has been on MD's staff for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh Coached some, and he's also the DB coach. Coached some tremendous defensive backs. Obviously, I mean, the, everybody knows the list. Denard Waynes, you know, uh, you're looking at Lane, Josiah Scott now. We've got tons of them in between. Um, it, it's an impressive group, and it, it's a guy you hate to lose. You hate to lose that staff continuity. But Michigan State insured themselves. In a way, they handcuffed themselves, but they also insured themselves against Losing against having a coordinator loss break their back the way it kind of did when Pat Narduzzi left. Mm -hmm. And they did that by having the co-defensive coordinator labels for Harlan Barnett and Mike Tressel. Here's the thing. Florida State came and offered Harlan Barnett over a million dollars a year to be their defensive coordinator. That's a lot of money. That's more than double what he was making at Michigan State. And and to be clear, that's more than... How many coordinators uh, in the NCAA? A significant amount. That's a, I mean, that's a nice payday. And, you know, listen, Florida State's a great job. It's not like some bum school came in and swept him off his feet. This is a great school and great opportunity, um, you know, to, to really make, help him make a name for himself. And so, A, that's tough to pass up. But from everything you've read, Michigan State um, made a significant counteroffer. But at the end of the day, he, he, he took the uh, – the Florida State job. Can't blame him for that. Um, great school, like I said, great opportunity, lots of money. The problem for Michigan State is that if you give Harlan Barnett a raise, you have to give Mike Tressel a raise that's very similar mm-hmm. or more significant, you know, or, or as this, big. You're raising the ceiling, and some might say, well, yeah, you have to if you want to be a big time program. Little context Florida State who won a national championship how many years ago four yeah three, three four just got they always have the wallet someone yes. out walleted them and took their head their national championship winning head coach <laughs> how many times has that happened uh, besides nick saban going from L- who won a national championship and then got paid more to leave there right yeah so they're looking around so they had a little huddle at yeah. florida state <laughs> and said Wow. Yeah. We just got out. Our wallet just got outbid. What are we going to do about it? Boosters. Right. We have two places to go. We just went seven and six. Things will get real bad real quick. So they just busted out. I mean, this is the definition of going all in. Yeah. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And I think they're going to see immediate dividends from that. Uh, And they have a history of great defensive backs and they hired a great defensive backs coach as their defensive coordinator. So um, I think it's a great hire for them. Um, and yeah, one more thing. Just because I just don't want to misconstrue the fact that if 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 Florida State goes and buys one of our guys and we want to get mad that we didn't pay him enough, keep in mind that sometimes people just want new experiences. He's yeah. been with D'Antonio and probably had a great run. He did. And that's okay to say, you know, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to try carve my own path here. He's a grown man. Yeah. And people 
move careers or move not careers but like jobs within their career often when they're <laughs> in the healthy portion of it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with him, you know, kind of making it out on his own. And frankly, the, he got offered life changing money. <laughs> and, I, and Michigan State has to look at this at the same time and think, okay, this is why we have co-defensive coordinators. We feel comfortable with Mike Trussell taking over the job. Um, now they do need need to replace their defensive end and special team coach and defensive backs coach. You don't love that. That's tougher. But when you look at the rest of the staff, you've got Ron Burton. Yep who has coached the entire defensive line plenty of times before in his career, did so at Michigan State very successfully uh, until Snyder came down to the uh, the ends. And you've also got a really established group of players down there now, so that should certainly help. Um, and in terms of a DB coach, it's going to be interesting to see what Michigan State does here. But they do have something in their back pocket that not many schools have. Mark D'Antonio. I mean, it's Mark D'Antoni's bread and butter. It's the position he played. It's the position group he's always taken a special interest in. I think maybe in the interim, you know, between they're going to hire a defensive backs coach, but until they really feel that he understands the system and that it's they're fully ready to turn it over to him, you're probably going to get some special input from MD. Well, and also, it's people say they don't have favor. I don't have kids. Um, <laughs> people people have favorite kids. Yeah, okay, this is Mark's favorite kid. Yes, and and if uh, you know, oh, it looks like you guys might need a little. Uh, you need help. A little extra. Does attention. anyone need help? You sure? Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm gonna help. Uh, yeah, I I don't see a. It's a bummer to lose HB, but I I don't think this is this is far from backbreaking. And there are some really interesting candidates out there. It came out today though that uh, Pitt's defensive backs coach Ronaldo Hill, former Spartan, mm-hmm. uh, actually is deciding to stay at Pitt rather than interview at Michigan State. He's loyal to Narduzzi, and I absolutely respect him for that. Um, the really interesting name that I read was uh, Archie Collins, who is a former Michigan State um, defensive back who is currently the DBs coach at defensive passing game coordinator and the defensive backs coach at Central Michigan. Now that doesn't sound incredible, but there are a couple things about Collins you gotta you have to like once you put it in context, it seems like a home run hire okay. to me, should they do it. Um he's a Michigan State grad, played at MSU, um, coached under Harlan Barnett at Michigan State from twenty ten to twenty twelve, uh working with the defensive backs and while he's on the staff Six Spartans earned a combined 10 all-conference honors. Trenton Robinson, Johnny Adams, Darquez Denard, guys picking up awards all over the place. Curtis Drummond, um, Trey Waynes. I mean, he's he's been around really successful players at Michigan State, and he's also coached at Cass Tech, Detroit Southeastern, and McKenzie. Listen, you lose a big recruiting connection in Harlan Barnett, mm-hmm. but this is a guy who knows Detroit. This is a guy who has... Been at Michigan State, has been a part of the program, and guess what? Central Michigan's defensive backs are pretty good. Okay. Uh, they listen. I'm just looking at his bio right now. He's in his fourth season at CMU. Last year, or excuse me, in 2015, they ranked the entire Central Michigan defense ranked second in the MAC and 16th above football FBS sub FBS teams one year after ranking 29th in FBS and number one in the MAC. Basically, they've been ranked in the top 25 in the country in pass defense in 2013, 2015, and in 2016, 
the Central Michigan defense finished the regular season ranked sixth in the nation with four defensive touchdowns, all by DBs. Listen, end of the day, this guy seems like he could be – he, he kind of checks all the box boxes. Um, I know there – I'm sure there are other candidates out there that are um, big, but this is the name that you kind of keep – Keep seeing, uh, and it seems like it would make a lot of sense. It does, and I would also like to thank you on behalf of two people, uh, the SID at Central Michigan who wrote that, <laughs> because you are the second person who's ever clicked on to hit that name <laughs> outside of his mother, and I'd also like to thank you for grounding me into making me uh, make me feel better about the loss of Harlan Bennett. Yeah, well, you know, I'm doing doing my part. Um, lost someone else. Yeah, well, okay. So there was another coach that if you've been following my personal work at the Only Colors, you will know may, he, he, if he's ever read anything that I wrote, he doesn't like me because I have been somewhat outspoken about him and in, in my just my general opinion of his coaching ability. Um, and that is defensive end and special teams coach Mark Snyder. Um, oh, Mark. So his story is Michigan State brought him on in 2015 – um, the year they made the the uh, college football playoff to be the special teams coordinator and the linebacker coach. Seems like a good gig. Brought him in over. The first red flag for me was they brought him from Texas A&M. Not exactly a unit, A, known for defense. Sure. And B, a unit that runs a 3-4, not a 4-3. So. A lot of confusion for me in the hire <laughs> in general. I think Michigan State wanted to recruit Texas a little more. And they have, and and to his credit, they have landed some guys like Tyler Higbee, Daryl Stewart. Um, they're recruiting Tommy Bush right now. You know, they've they've dabbled in in Texas. Great, that's great. Um, but they brought him on to be a good special teams coordinator. Special teams, which had been a major strength of Michigan State, mm-hmm. literally the entire, Dan, pretty much the entire D'Antonio tenure, leading up to Mark Snyder taking over. He takes over and go back with me if you will, and have a little acid flashback. Wayback machine. The Wayback machine to 2015 and 16 when Michigan State's coverage on kickoffs and punts was atrocious. <laughs> atrocious. Absolutely god-awful. You remember it. Wrecking. You may have tried to black Suppress. it out like I did. Suppress but it. you can't. It's impossible. That is still burnt in your brain somewhere, and now I'm going to make you bring it back up. It was Horrendous. Michigan State has also hasn't like returned a kick in how many years for a touchdown. Like the return game was bad. The coverage was abysmal. You can't really blame him for Geiger's struggles no. at the end of the day because you no. can't blame anybody but the kicker. Yeah. Um, but it was just like that immediate downturn. And then think about the linebacker played the last two years before this one. Uh-huh. Terrible. <laughs> they were terrible. They were they were maybe the worst position group on the defense in. 2016, when they went three and nine, and then the year before that, I don't think they were a whole lot better. If you remember, it's funny. One of the things that happens when you think about that college football playoff team is you think, "Oh, it was a classic Michigan State defense," and no. then Connor Cook. That was not a very good defense. No. Arjun Colhoun was the best corner on that team. Ugh. Generally bad. Um, and listen, it, the thing that kills me is it was Andrew Dowell, it was Riley Bulla, and it was Chris Fry. Those are good. Good play and Darian Harris. Yeah, those are good players, and yeah. they just weren't. And I don't think it was necessarily their fault. They just were not coached well. They they did yeah. not execute well. They were not coached well, and so look what happens this year. Harlan Barn, excuse me, 
Mark Snyder gets moved to defensive ends coach. Gets basically gets his job taken away from him and gets moved down to D ends. And to his credit, again, uh, Kenny Willekes came out of absolutely nowhere to have a great season. Um, but aside from that, but also let's think about this: given a position where there is, it can't. No one will be mad at you if it's good. No one expects anything. That is true, right? Like, there were absolutely no expense ex- expectations coming into this season. If we all. field two guys that are going to be on the field at the same time at the defensive end position, we've we're already winning. Big win. Got to get on the field. Big win. They got jerseys on and everything. Wow. Thumbs up. Yeah. Killing yeah. it, Mark. So I get why HB would want to take him to Florida State. Again, the Texas ties. Florida State recruits Texas big time. Yeah. Um, and I, I think maintaining those ties and exploiting them is, is a smart play on his part. Um, I don't know what his position will be at Florida State, but I would be fairly confident to say it won't be a special teams coordinator. Um I am not upset about. In case you couldn't tell, I'm not upset about Mark Snyder leaving. I think of all the coaches, he was the one that I'm I'm happiest to see go. Um, I am looking forward to a renewed interest in the special teams and hopefully an immediate improvement. Um, to his credit, again, I, I'm not going to just dump on him, but the special teams were back to respectable this year, which. Sounds like a backhanded compliment, and that's probably because it is. Uh, because, like, he, it was av- it was an average group. It was an average group. Congratulations! You you brought a, you brought a great thing to bad, and then made it better, Deece. which is still worse than you yeah. started with. You get a C minus, so like, like you're below <laughs> average, and you you graded out below average. Go to your room. I just yeah, just just take a nap. Go take a nap. Maybe take some time off. Take a nap. <laughs> I don't know. I I don't. I'm not upset about Mark Snyder leaving uh, at all. HB, I, I'm you know it's a bummer, but Snyder, you know, well, he yeah. is he's all yours. I do. I I am interested moving forward to see how they replace him. I, I think this is a one opportunity Mark D'Antonio has here is to add on some former Spartans. That's why I like the thought of Archie yeah. Collins. I wouldn't mind them bringing in you know and you know maybe a, an old familiar face or you or, got to because this is how Michigan State fuels their players Mm -hmm. it takes a dog to teach a dog right i like that so and you can't instill that chip it doesn't just you don't get to come from making up a you know you don't get to come from kansas state yeah making that up and become a coach and be like yeah this is the dog mentality right no yeah you don't get it yeah so there and and now daytonio has been around long enough that there are players that are you know he's brought on guys like javon ringer Mm-hmm. That understand it, um, and I'll be interested to see if he's able to add a couple a couple people that are familiar with everything that that MSU has done to build this program. One other really weird thing happened recently, mm-hmm. and everybody knows that w- we talk about a certain school a lot because you have to because it's part of the rivalry. Um, but former Michigan State running backs coach, former Michigan State quarterback. Mm-hmm. Dan Enos was recently hired on as Michigan's wide receivers coach. Now, sure. let's yeah, sure. <laughs> let's let's look at this from a Michigan perspective, real quick. Which is not fun. I get it. But put on those maize and blue glasses. For them, looking at Enos, 
it's it's twofold. One, he recruits Detroit well. Mm-hmm. He always has. That was one of the things he did really well when he was at MSU. It's one of the things he did really well when he was at Central Michigan as their head coach. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, but like, are they bringing him on for like one like the one week a year that they play? Michigan State? Well, I mean, when you pay assistant coaches over a million dollars and get nothing out of it, I guess you try new things. <laughs> because, I mean, if you can't beat the teams that matter, I guess you hire from Ooh. them. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how this works. But apparently, I mean, it's a, it's certainly a tactic. Yeah. It's a th- you, you know what? I would never dog on Danny Ness. I've been... St- before this, I was I'd check in and be like, "How's that dude doing?" Because things didn't yeah. work out. After. Him and Bert. It's just so he's rolled down. He rolls down to Arkansas, takes on Bert. And by the way, um, in his three years at Arkansas, they got much worse with him <laughs> as offensive coordinator. It's not, um, not and, false. And 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 if you remember our our large friend Bert, he uh. he uh, had a strong emphasis on running the ball. Yeah. So Michigan said to themselves, we're going to go get that running team that was bad at running. <laughs> Offensive coordinator to coach our wide receivers. <laughs> and and he's going to, you know, he's going to report up to some guy named Pep who's <laughs> getting paid over and Drevno who are getting yeah. paid over. Sure. You know what, guys? Go nuts. Because I, I appreciate the fact that you're trying something new because what you were doing wasn't working. I can tell you now that like, if you're if you're trying to rile us up, you did. Yeah, that's but, fun. Uh, but also, Dan Enos, like, you you can't come ever come back home. Yeah, I this is this is a hot button because mm-hmm. I just it, there are very few things, maybe none, maybe only one that you can do in terms of like legal things that that will. <laughs> Turn a fan base that where that will make Michigan State fans or any fan base just just simply shut their doors. Mm, see you around. Like, like think about Justin Boren, the kid who transferred yeah, yeah. from Michigan to Ohio State. Sure, he's he's no longer welcome in Ann Arbor. Like that's not a thing ever. You're right, and you're right. This is like again, Dakich, Andrew Dakich going from Michigan to Ohio State. That like, who? That's gross to me. Yeah, it's gross. And so, you know what? You know what? If you feel weird about that. But, Austin, think about this. So, Eno's quarterback at Michigan State. Yeah, man. He has to have a very personal moment, which will be, whether he likes it to admit it or not, a very awful, awkward realization, microcosm of hell. (laughs) When he, for the first time in his life, this is happening or has happened, had to put on maize and blue. Right. He has, to, like say, he has to say go blue. He Like, that is the choice you made. And if the money, I mean, hey, man. I mean, get paid. Do I, of, I don't blame do, That's fine. Do whatever you got to do. But, like. But you got to know now. Like, you're, you not, may, you're not coming back to East Lansing now. Like, I, I you, you're done, right? You like, you're done. Like, this is a deliberately burnt bridge. Like, he stood you, there and he dropped the match on it. Made your bed. Hey, yeah, I, I'm. It's a crap. And man, it bed. is gonna be a weird feeling for him 
You like losing it? in Spartan you Stadium, like standing. Imagine is this him, fun? You like? Think this? about him standing. Imagine. Well, you know all the words to this song that they're singing, don't you? That's right. You probably sung, you sang this that. over there. You know this. <laughs> so this just must be hard. Just picture him. Mm-hmm. If if they lose in East Lansing next year, and he's got to stand on the sidelines of Spartan Stadium, mm-hmm. wearing maize and blue and losing, like unless he is engaging. In like a true like like if if this is some sort of what do you call it like a an inside job mm. if this ooh unless this is Mark D'Antonio's <laughs> gr- greatest stroke master stroke oh, I I love this spin and I'm yeah. living this spin <laughs> unless <now>. it is. <laughs> Which I would, oh, I'd be so smitten. I'd wow. be just, what if, maybe, maybe dude, he's, he's what a spy. If, what if Dan Enos is, he's, he's you know, the, the he's double agent. Judas. He's Judas. Judas, yeah. You know, like he, he had to do this for the greater good. Yeah. And <laughs> everyone will hate him for the rest of time. But, but Mark will know. Mark knows. <laughs> <laughs> he is the ultimate rogue double agent. Oh, oh that's the way And if that happens, it. And I like imagine if if they throw like four interceptions. Next I cannot year. wait. I'm going to or five. tweet. Let's do five again. I'm just going to tweet at Dan constantly after yeah. every terrible game and be like, "Thanks, yeah. buddy. Thanks, wink, man. Wink. Yeah. Got you. We know what you're doing got over you. there. We got you, Dan. Killing it. We see you, Dan. Dude, Dan. So you get it. <laughs> double agent, double agent, Dan. Now working in uh, in in Maze and Blue. So uh, unless this is the greatest cover up in in. D'Antonio That's history. what I choose to believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm also going to, to choose to believe that as well. Oh, wow. So that's a lot of football. Um, and that sport's not even in season anymore. Oh, um, and now it's time to get to the... The shooty hoops. Totally normal. Nothing weird. Nothing to see here. Michigan State basketball season. Um, I'm not freaking out. No. Why would I be freaking out? You're mad. You're, mad. you're, you're mad. I'm not mad. <laughs> um... <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what happened so since- yeah so well since since we last were here there was there have been three real games of import mm-hmm. um the first of which was a 30 point drubbing of maryland at home where i had fun which yeah that was great we don't even really need to spend time on that it was more of the same for michigan state just an absolute clinic um they were shooting the lights out and you that buzzsaw that had been rolling for the last couple of months just just kind of kept on going mm-hmm. um, against an admittedly undermanned yeah Maryland team, but you did what you're supposed to do to an undermanned team. You smoked them. Um, since then, mm-hmm. not as great. We went to not as good. Okay, can we talk? Okay, so then we went to Ohio State. Um, Bad first true road game. I don't count Rutgers, <laughs> and as a road game because it's mm. just not a true environment. And I believe we play, played them in like early December, like whatever. Yeah. That was the craziest I've ever seen Value City Arena. Mm. That place does not, like the nut house, whatever. No, yeah. no. Ohio State is always, it is a church <laughs> when you play there. It's not crazy. Yeah. As far as Big Ten atmospheres go. Yeah. Oh, no. sure. Well, no. yeah. In that context. That place was, that was bonkers. Yeah, they, they were, they were they fired were up. Popping off. And um, if, if you missed it, and I envy you. Yeah, I uh, wish they, I would have. Uh, Michigan State lost by 16, and it felt like 60. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty good way to put it. And um, just like football. Like, <laughs> man, that was rough. Uh, uh, so then uh, I think 
I think the hard part for me to swallow was like watching that game and I'm like, oh, many things. Um, watching uh, Bates, Diop. Just, oh my goodness, man. What, was he going to see? Is he going to start for the Cavs the next day? Like, what was that? <laughs> yeah, so to, just to your point, it goes 12 of 21 from the field, 32-7, excuse me, 32, seven, three steals a block. I mean, this dude was – it was incredible. Every time they needed a shot, every time Michigan State flirted with getting close, he was delivering the daggers. I mean, they shot 52.5% from the field, 7 to 15 from three. Um, they – actually lost the rebounding battle to Michigan State. I think the troubling thing coming out of this game, so I look at this game, and we're going to get to this in a little bit, I guess, but you look at the stat lines here, and the two that jump out at you um, are Nick Ward. How many minutes did he play? 26. How many shots did he have? One. We're done. Yeah. Stop. I don't even... That's not... uh, That's your guy that you go to for the auto bucket. Like what happened there? Yeah, and then on top, so he he plays twenty six, and then Gavin Schilling and Ben Carter are they like when they're both missing? Yeah, they're missing persons. We need to put their faces on some milk cartons. They they Bonnie and Clyde it out of here. They're gone. <laughs> like what happened? They weren't even on the couple team. Of, couple of good time Charlies. I mean, what happened? So they're just getting no clock. None. Gav gets four. Carter doesn't play. Doesn't play. And sometimes we see Izzo slowly chip the rotation down mm-hmm. as the season progresses. And that happens. Yeah. But maybe not to the extent where we just saw a guy not play the, This did Well, I, I think Carter's been a little banged up. But the, yep. the removal of Schilling from the rotation, especially against Ohio State, it, it didn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, can, can we hear? I want to reiterate, though. So Nick Ward did not play well. So you think to yourself, okay, what happened there? Were they just like dominating us on the inside? I don't know. Throw Gav in there for four minutes. What did Gav, how many shots did he have in four minutes? One. How many rebounds did he have? Five. Oh. Yeah. So you have a. Yeah. And that's the thing is when you talk <laughs> about a guy like Gavin Schilling, you're, you, you know, the thing he's always been lauded for is his defensive abilities, his ability to switch picks as well as anybody. And in this game, you know, you saw these two, the Wessons, wherever they came from, um, are are in there, you know, kind of doing some damage. Really, Caleb Wesson, who was yeah. a five-star recruit more than anybody else. But, I mean, he was putting up shots over Ward. He only went four of nine from the field. But, yeah. you know, he was – he had some big shots. Eight points, four boards, five assists. I mean, it, and you talk about having another defender to, to go out and check – Bates Diop because listen whoever was guarding him Goins Bridges doesn't matter yeah. didn't do it a did, good job did. so maybe they he ended up on Langford on some switches I'm just a little surprised that and I get it bigs are bound to fall out of the rotation especially when you guys got when you got guys like Warden Jackson you know up there playing so well and Bridges playing a decent amount of small ball four um, but it is it, it's surprising to see Schilling. And I, I kind of hope uh, Izzo switches that up a little bit. But it was just not a good game. And I think it's I think it's a twofold thing. One, MSU just didn't play that well. They looked they looked like it was their first true road game of the season. And then on the other side of it, and I said this early in the season, I didn't think Michigan State was going to lose many games this year at all. Um, 
But if they did, when they did, it would be somebody on the other team going absolutely bonkers. And so far, we've had Grayson Allen, <laughs> and we've had Keita Bates Diop. That was fun. And they've absolutely, yeah. Thanks for that was, Yeah, that. sorry. Um, just absolutely stomping on Michigan State's heart. So, can, can I say uh, one quick thing that you know won't be found maybe in the box score? I was, if I found one thing that I loved slash hated in that game, was that Chris Holtman runs some beautiful sets. Yeah, it's I a mean, fun team to watch. They run crisp half court stuff, and I was shocked because the guy started in June, and yeah. he's already you know, and then like comes in with a depleted roster. Mm-hmm. Like a like kind of maybe not as depleted as people think, right? Now apparently not because they're five and zero in the Big Ten. Yeah, but but I mean, he comes in and I was just like, I watched their they they came down and they knew, you know, they Holtman says Bates Diop is feeling it. I'm going to mm-hmm. cater to this game. Get him the ball, right? Get our best player the ball. And then weird how that works. Unfortunately, on our end of the court, you know, Izzo has slowly transitioned away from hard half court sets if you remember back in the early yeah. aughts i mean he had a playbook oh absolutely that was pages deep of like yep. very strict sets now fast forward however many years and it is a free-flowing game with yeah it's very much a motion offense with, with no direct uh idea of where things could go and the <laughs> idea that it could go anywhere but then the problem with that is you just sometimes can get stuck and Nick Ward gets no touches. You know, where, where you have an offense where you have to say, wow, maybe we should get Nick Ward some touches. Yeah. Like, that doesn't necessarily happen in the motion offense, no matter how much Nick Ward screams for the ball. So it mm. leads us to the next game where we found out that Nick Ward was a point of emphasis for yeah. the offense. Much better. Where apparently the team spent a lot of time figuring out how to utilize the motion offense in a way that guaranteed he would get a touch. Yeah. And, and, I think it's pretty obvious after a year and a half now that that needs to happen in every single game. Ends up with 17 and 10 in a a much too gut wrenching, much too anxious oh, win. Terrible, dude, and I don't want to make everyone relive it, but we're going to. Yeah, sorry. Uh, and when I say that Nick Ward needs paint touches, it doesn't mean it has to go up. But when you <laughs> you gotta go in to go out, right? Yeah. You go in to go out, and then back out creates momentum. A defender running at your playmakers, like a Josh Linker, like a Miles Bridges, like a Cassius Winston, who can then move, use their momentum against them to go by them. Otherwise, you're already in a bad spot, and that's why you have to go in to go out. And yeah, it's like, I, I agree. And it's, just watching it happen, it's it's frustrating, and I think it it's sort of indicative of what teams are seeing, and this is in terms of Michigan State's style of play and what they want to do, because they have done that all season until these last two games for the most part. And I think what Ohio State and and Rutgers have done, and Rutgers has now done it twice, which is crazy, but um, is is teams are just packing it in. Yep. They're letting guys like Miles Bridges, Langford, McQuaid, Nairn, they're letting Michigan State players Fire away. Yep. End of story. And right now, aside from Cassius, who's still hitting fifty percent of his threes, which is insane, mm-hmm. and Josh <laughs> and Josh Langford, who is hitting, you know, I think. Let me see here. He's hitting forty-seven percent of his threes. Aside from those two, mm-hmm. 
Mm, Yang got a lot in terms of outside shooting, and that was one thing that everybody agreed unanimously could end up being uh, a tough spot for MSU. Jaron Jackson has has held his own nicely, but Miles Bridges is shooting 34% from three, and he's taken five to seven of those a game. That's, that's... And that's not good, and I, I think something's got to... Something's got to change with Miles Bridges. Uh, it, it's weird, and I'm not sure what the answer is. It's it's a tough. It, he's in a tough situation because I think his he's what he was so good at last year as a small ball four was just being able to blow by the guys that yeah. were on him. Yeah. And this year he's guarded by wings, and frankly, he gets the ball in really tough spots. Yeah. He gets the ball in the corner a lot, and that is that's not where you want your explosive wing to be i want him out on the elbow i want him out where josh langford gets the ball more often than not um or i want him in a little bit more space uh but that's that's not the case and and i don't think he's going to develop a 45 percent three-point stroke overnight it's certainly a capable shot but right now he his transition to being a legitimate three is maybe the biggest thing that can happen if he makes that real transition and he actually gets comfortable and is able to be that dynamic explosive player again that we saw last year yeah um and i think he's a don't get me wrong man this dude's still a superstar he's still a great player but um in in michigan state is a much better team having him and he's one of the you know he's definitely one of the best players in the whole team and a star but his game doesn't match what the team needs it sort of feels like in a way yeah you know um and that's wow what a great problem yeah um (laughs) absolutely it's a fantastic problem and and one that i trust that this coaching staff will uh, be able to figure out because you're you're seeing growing pains i guess should be my point sure uh the rest of the game i think the thing that was most alarming about (laughs) i can't believe we went to overtime with rutgers there we were uh is that you know, we saw we saw a Rutgers team that we couldn't put away, and that was like kind of the alarming part for me. It's like mm-hmm. you could smell blood a handful of times, and you thought to yourself, "All right, you're up seven, you're up six, just get a stop, and this is done. It's right. done. It's yeah. all over. It was fun while it lasted, and then you win the game by eleven on free throws, and we all walk out of here kind of pissed off, but we forget about right. it. Couldn't step on their throat. They made some really incredible shots, yeah. no doubt. There were just some plays where you're just kind of like, guys, you need, I mean, if we're going to do the floor slap thing every third time down, like, let's make it mean something. Yeah. You know, I mean. Tofinini will love that. <laughs> well, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with, like, you know, sending a message or you're trying to get each other excited. And if you use that method, that's fine. But, I mean, like, truly believe in it. Like, do something about it. What are you doing differently on this play than the time before when you didn't? Like, yeah. how are you? Otherwise, you you just kind of look like a jackass. Yeah, I mean, I think MSU's. <laughs> I think their flaws are are becoming a little more visible. I still think this is a team that can just bludgeon you to death. I absolutely yeah. think that. I don't. I don't think anything of nothing of these last two games has affected my expectations or what I see as possible for this team. I think what it's done, if anything, is kind of ground everyone in terms of 
you know, just remembering that this is still college basketball. Yeah. Like this, it's so it's so crazy. You you mentioned earlier. You said you put up a Twitter poll of you know, will this team lose? Yeah, two and a half. You know, more or less than two and a half games. Well, it's still possible to be the under. I do remember seeing that and thinking and saying to myself, you know, this is probably one of the better Michigan State teams I've ever seen. Yeah. But I also understand how eighteen to twenty year olds work in that. Yeah. The this is why we love college basketball. Yeah, because in March Madness, a team that doesn't belong there can win, and like not every time, but one time out of a hundred, right? And that's why we love it. Is the, the it can be so erratic, and that is why it's kind of cool. So um, now it wasn't kind of cool to go to overtime with Rutgers, no, but you can see the, how good they can be when yeah. they beat Maryland by thirty, and you can see. Rock bottom, which is beating Rutgers. Yeah, and one other winning, right? Winning. But one other thing that I think is important to point out about this game is, and it'll kind of transition us into the next point here. But like, what was concerning to me was that down the stretch, just to kind of accentuate your point about not being able to step on the throat, you had your four other starters aside from Cassius Winston all miss free throws that could have put this game away. Langford missed two. Nick Ward missed the front end of, or I don't think it was the front of it. He missed one of two. Yeah, um, that was odd. Bridges missed a big one in overtime. Bridges made a big three in overtime and did plenty down the stretch, but he didn't score until there were seven and a half minutes left in the game. Mm. And I don't think that'll happen again. I don't think it'll happen again either. But it was weird to see this team kind of just have to scrap and claw in ways that we haven't so far. So, um, I think there are a few uh, takeaways. A few takeaways. One, I, I noticed a couple scary trends, um, and they're twofold. One is Jaron Jackson can't stay out of foul trouble. He is up to four fouls every single game. And he's got to, like, slow, I know he's an emotional kid. That's a kid. big deal. Though. I know, and I know he's an emotional kid, but, like, I love how he, he's shocked. Every time. And it looks like somebody, like, shot his dog. Each time he gets called for like a blatant foul, yeah, it's like, dude, yeah, he, that but he is such an X factor. I, he is You're in right. his ability to play the four or the five uh-huh. and change up what MSU wants to do, and his ability to pair with Gavin Schilling. Like you can't play Schilling and Ward together, and the fact that you know Jackson gets into foul trouble limits what you can do. Yeah, around the entire, he is in a lot of ways, kind of the big X factor as to what makes this team go. Dude. He's got to stay on the floor. Jaron has, you can talk to anyone you want, but you can't talk to Anna Gagne, okay? Because he cannot, he's the only one who can't give you advice on this one. Don't ask me. (laughs) He's Um, like, I get it, man. I don't know. I I never actually committed a foul. Um, The other one is that the backup backcourt is, at this point, just bad. Mm. I... Tum Tum Neard and Matt McQuaid, and again, this horse of Matt McQuaid has been so beaten to death by me, I apologize, but we're in basketball season, I'm not going to stop. Um, he's just not very good. He's a capable defender, I will give him that, and at this point, that is enough for him to play based on the dimensions and makeup of this team. He's going to play a lot, mm-hmm. end of story. Tum Tum, same thing. He's a backup point guard, for better or for worse. Uh, he has now, though, gotten yacked two games in a row. Mm-hmm got yacked by Ohio State and went to the floor to the point that he was getting made fun of on Instagram by like Instagram celebrities. And then the other night he gets Corey Sanders yaks him against Rutgers and makes a big basket. It's like, 
I thought you were the defensive stopper. And he's still, although he has made a three in each of the last two games. You can't, here's what we can't do. One, as a rule, and I think I've talked enough about how bad I was in high school basketball, <laughs> but it was a, my best friend and I, we made a pack together. Whenever we would play teams that clearly overmatched us, two rules. Don't fall down. <laughs> don't get crossed. Usually those work together, right? <laughs> yeah. And and definitely don't get dunked on. Because you can all, you can see these things coming. <laughs> Generally. <laughs> I, I mean, I have a pretty good eye for when I'm gonna get you know oh, a, no. a waste in the face. <laughs> so like and we can't what you can't do is say to yourself, Oh, he's bad at one thing, so that automatically makes him good at the other. No. You know how true. that works? Like I feel like that yeah. can't be a thing. And then um Give to his credit, played great defense on Sanders in the last play of the of regulation. Yes, he did. He um, still has his flashes. I'm not of saying course, he's terrible, of course, but of like course, man, of it's but dude. Oof. So back to the Instagram celebrities. If there's a Instagram follow and you like basketball, at famous loves thirty two, all he does is basically make fun of whoever just got he just roast put people. on skates or who got dunked on. And you know, I tried. To, I went to bed Sunday night and I was like, okay, at least I can forget about that game. Monday morning, pop open the IG, and there it is to a million followers over uh, and over. I was like, yep, remember that. Yep, okay. So, uh, Flashbacks. And then, yeah, it happens again against Brunkers, and it's like, Tom, you got to like have some self-respect. Yeah, man. he like, hasn't. <laughs> you, you he's gotta, had a tough go here. you got to put gum on the shoe. Whatever you got to do. Hey, man, follow him. I don't care. <laughs> Like just don't get don't get yacked on, live, Dude, on national TV twice. The skates. Yeah, he was on them. I mean, you can't. You look. Um, it's a bad look. It wasn't good. So who we got next? Yeah. So I, I think this next game is coming at a very good time. Um, coming out of these last two, there's a silver lining in that. A Michigan State got punched in the mouth, mm. absolutely embarrassed by Ohio State, and then B they had to grind out a game where they weren't playing well. The next game and got embarrassed by Rutgers. Got embarrassed by Rutgers in a win. So. Uh, now, my logic here may seem counterintuitive at first, but just stick with me. The next game <laughs> is against uh, the University of Michigan. Ann Arbor. Ann Arbor. Not Flint or If you Flint. have heard, yes, the the <laughs> least popular of the three. Um, they will be coming to East Lansing Saturday midday uh, for a, a big tilt. Now, they're playing really well at the moment. They had a really close loss to Purdue, who is apparently in the top five now. Um I guess uh, default. That, that's a thing, um, and so they're they're playing well. Uh, they're confident. Um, it's a lot of new faces, but it, it's a it's a pretty good Michigan. It's a it's a pretty good team. Yeah. It's a tournament team. That's for sure. Um, now, a downtrending Michigan State welcoming a uptrending Michigan with nothing to lose generally sounds poor. Um, However. Yeah. I will say that I think this is actually kind of coming at the best possible time. Oh? My logic is that this team, Michigan State, they they know how good they are. Mm-hmm. They've played in a lot of big games so far. It's understandably, in a way, tough to get a bunch of 19 and 20-year-olds up for a home matinee against uh, Rutgers. You know? The butt. Yeah. yeah yes. Butgers. Um, it's, that's not going to draw the same amount of attention as, uh, Michigan, your rival, 
I mean, I, I think a game that they really have to get up for and get emotional for and want to go out and just beat the brakes off somebody is the best possible thing for well, them right now. Hey, all Izzo has to do is walk in the room and put the score of last year's game against Michigan. Yeah, man. These guys got embarrassed in Ann Arbor last year. So This same group of guys. Same, it's not like it's a new group of kids. <laughs> Jaron's like, ain't me. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> not on that team. <laughs> Wasn't me. I didn't foul anybody in that game. Um, so, uh, yeah, it'll be – I'm excited. Uh, Saturday going to be – Pretty emotional. I think it's early tip, 11 a.m. So, noon, one, noon or 1, yeah. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Brunching early. I was going to say, bar, <laughs> bar's open earlier than that. It's going to be fine. Um. Okay. I, you know, that, that brings us to some thoughts on that the Michigan game. That I, I Watching Michigan play, you're going to see some new faces. Uh, Charles Matthews, transfer from Kentucky. He's good. He's a guy. Um, and you're like, I remember watching Michigan a few times this year and being like, who is this? Like, <laughs> get out of here. Uh, no, he's, 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 a, he's pretty good. Um, and then, uh, everyone's favorite villain, Mo Wagner. Mm, um, just the worst. He, um, he and Nick Ward, I don't think they care for each other. They don't get along. Um, they're I both... think that much is fairly obvious after last year. Emotional fellows, fiery. Yeah, they 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 get a little tuned up, and uh, they'll be hit, uh, playing the five. Interesting to see um, the transitions uh, from offense to defense. Nick can't guard Mo on defense. Probably it's going to be it, it's it doesn't help us. I have to switch Jaron onto him on that end mm-hmm. of the floor. We'll see what happens. You know. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I think Michigan's a good challenge. Um, Duncan Robinson seems to always give us problems, so that'll be an interesting matchup. Charles Matthews, I mean, I think you get a Charles Matthews Miles Bridges matchup will be a lot of fun. Ooh, yeah, for it'll sure. be fun. Um, but the key, the key with Michigan is you know run them off the three point line. That's mm-hmm. what they like to do. They like to fire away from three. And John Teske, their center, um, who's kind of the backup still, he's going to be a tough sob on the boards. And Michigan's going to come and fire it up. John Beeline's a great coach. Yeah. Um, I think MSU should win this game. I think they're going to come out real fired up. I think this is a really bad time if you're Michigan to be catching to be catching MSU because they're they're frustrated. And the other thing I'm gathering from this team is it's an emotional group. Like they they wear their emotions on their sleeves. They expect greatness from themselves, and they're frustrated right now. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, you know your biggest rival coming to school, you know, or excuse me, coming to your house to let to you know, try and beat the top dog. Like this is a game you can get emotional for. And you talk about a game to vent on and a yeah. game to let out some frustrations. You're never going to get a better opportunity than this. So yeah, no, yeah, you're right. Uh, one more piece on one more thing I think to watch for is um, we talked about J- Jaron being our X factor. I think Michigan's is um, Isaiah Livers. He's, he's good. He's a freshman from Kalamazoo, six seven kid. I mean, he's got the body already, two thirty, probably inflated. But um, in his last three, you know, Big Ten games, he's seven for eight from deep. Um, he wasn't playing uh, nearly the minutes that he has. Now he's up to averaging about uh, twenty four minutes a game in the last three games. So he's, he's a starter, basically. Real, real tick, and he's producing. Well, he was Mister Basketball last year. 
And so he's kind of coming into his own, I would argue, probably getting his legs under him a little bit. Um, and yeah. so I think there's going to be something there with, you know, that's, that's a long guy that mm. has really come on for them. And I'm yeah. interested to see how um, he matches up probably with Jaron and uh, potentially Miles. Um, on yeah, Jaron and Miles' defense is going to be a big deal because you're going to see them on, on those two, and those are two of their biggest scorers. Um, Livers, like I said, was Mr. Basketball in the state of Michigan last year as a high school senior. He beat out Xavier Tillman for that award. Yeah. Uh, I know MSU was – this wasn't one of those – it's funny, in basketball it's a little different than football where – there are so many scholarships available for football. When it, when a guy chooses one team or the other, it's generally because that's just where he wants yep. to be in basketball. Sometimes, you know, the spots get tight and it's just a numbers game. Yeah. Um, and this, that this, the fact that Isaiah livers is a Wolverine is not a numbers game thing. Mm-hmm. Michigan state wanted him. Yeah. He had a committable offer very late in the process. Um, obviously Michigan state was still interested in Brian Bowen. South Carolina Gamecock Brian Bowen, by the oh. way. Um, go Cox. Eh, go Cox. Um, but he he chose to go to U of M, and frankly, his his game is a better fit there, and yeah. you can see why, and it's really starting to to show itself. So speaking of high schoolers, real quick, I, we'll talk MSU one. Drop one, uh, Mr. Lawyer. Yes. Um, last the people. <laughs> he had is they won fifty nine to like something. And he had 44 points. He's good. But like as oh, a 59, uh, 44 or 59. Yeah. Decent. Maybe double him. Mm. But um, until he becomes an upper, upperclassman, he might be the foster child to me. <laughs> <laughs> or a junior lawyer. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I liked foster child. We got, um, we got a lot of time to go there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his, um, I did see one more thing before we get to the very end. Um, his teammate, uh, Thomas Kithier, yep. Michigan State commit, officially not going to be playing thanks to the MHSAA. No. Uh, here's what I just – congratulations to the folks at the MHSAA for keeping a high school senior from playing his final year of high school basketball. Never get that back. Yeah. No. Was, that's, it, was it worth it? Was your point made? Yeah. I saw uh, Matt Sheehan, one of our guys here yeah. at TOC – tweeted something out about that and uh it's a great point by him and I, I definitely agree it's it's just a shame i mean i, I get your your about integrity and things like that but um i i think uh all things considered we're talking about a kid playing high school basketball and it's a shame that he is losing a season not only with him and his friends and, and an experience he'll never get back but you're you're inhibiting you're taking when the, by the time he plays a game of collegiate basketball, he'll pretty much not have played in two years because he's gonna he's, he has to redshirt now. Well, if it, and, and not that that MSU basketball aside, you took away a kid's experience. Right, you took you away his you senior year. You don't get senior year anything back. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it's just it's it's, gross. it's 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 does not reek of a good decision. So I hope those those folks are are uh, are happy. Prop bet. Prop bet. Okay. How many, and you you can be within a variance of one. Okay. So you can I'll take that. one higher or lower than the correct answer. How many non-two-score lineups, two-score lineups will you see on Saturday? Now, for the for those listening. The layman. We, uh, we have a prop bet each week. Um, 
it means a lot and nothing. Mm. And so, in this one... And I always win. I don't think you've ever lost. <laughs> our scorers are our starting five. Our, and that's not a... It's not an exaggeration, No, they, the they are all scorers. And then everyone else on the team, I'd argue, except for Connor George, is a <laughs> scorer, is a non-scorer. So how many times in this game will there be a lineup where there are uh, only two scorers on the floor? So when there are... Only two scorers on the floor. To clarify, yes. H- how many times? Yes. Oof. Uh... I'm gonna say I'm gonna say at least three, and that's fine. And the reason I ask the question is, I almost find it egregious if it gets it's upsetting. To, if it gets to three, that is too too many yes. for me in the entire <laughs> I game. I can't find myself like to look at the court sometimes, and you you're seeing like people sub in, and, and then you see the ball get passed around, and you're like, oh no, who's gonna score? It's like, Nairn to McQuaid to Goins. <laughs> What? To Schilling. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we're and, like, what's happening? And the thing, too, with this team is right now with neither of your backup players in the backcourt being a legitimate threat, if you sub out Lankford and Winston, yeah, yeah, yeah. what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to throw – even if you keep Jackson and Ward in the game, what are you going to do? And it, when you have McQuaid, Winston – excuse me, McQuaid, Nairn, and Goins in the game together, which we saw mm-hmm. – that's never going to work. It's just never going to work with this team. It's not. Because if you play a team with half a brain, they're going to drop all of their players yeah. down low, and they're going to stop everything you're trying to do. So <laughs> I'm really hoping that Izzo just got this out of his system and he's done. Um, but I have a feeling that's not the case because it's January, and this is silly season for, for the Izzo lineup. So <laughs> um, we'll see. Finally, wrap up. You, if you're new to the podcast, we have uh, – one big question. I encourage you to participate. Hit us up on Twitter and let us know your answer. This one, um, before I ask you, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick on someone, a group of people. We'll call them out. His own. Come on, guys. And I know I'm gonna be old guy about this, but I do it because I get to watch in December the alumni his own come, and they are loud. And you know why? Because they're kind of drunk. And they got to get to be away from the kids for a little bit. Yeah. And I get it. But, like, and it's a really cool thing that once you're away from the zone, you realize how awesome it was. Michigan game coming up. Hoping they bring the noise. With that said, the one big question, what is your favorite MSU chant? I mean, it's got to be go green, go white. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even a question to me. That's obviously the best one. I will say, my... My favorite, for whatever reason, cheerleader chant yeah. is when they pick up the big microphones and it's. They, I feel like they only do it in basketball. They go, "Go stay, go." There you go. Go stay. What about go. this? What about? It makes me think of March Madness. I don't know cool. why. How about? It doesn't have to be a chant, but like band integration, like anything, thing action you get to do in the student section uh, or or anywhere in the student during the middle of the, and actually, it's the entire summer goes. And everyone knows what we're talking about. Woo! We just know exactly what to do. Yeah. It's the bet. That's definitely my favorite one. And I had a buddy in college who, every time they did the Jaws part, would scream bloody murder at the top of his lungs like the sharks were going after him. That was so fun. I love that. That was fun once. 
Um, <laughs> one time. Once. In my life. <laughs> um, so those are those are my personal favorites. You know, um, I'm hoping for uh, uh, to come back n- next week and have a lot of fun things. To yes, talk about. we're gonna we're gonna have a real exciting one next week, hopefully. So, um, with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in to another edition of the Only Podcast. Um, I have been your co-host Austin Smith, and joined as always by John Kirby. Um, We will see you all next week. Goodbye. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical.